Chapter 6 Rachel I woke up. I was on my back, lying on a bed of pine needles and crispy dried leaves. I was staring up at trees. The sun shone through the branches. My first thought was, what am I doing here? I had no idea how I had gotten to these woods, or even what woods these were. What am I doing here? I started to say out loud, but the words were garbled, mangled. They were more of a screech than actual words. I felt a tingle of fear. What was going on? What was going on? Why was I here? Why couldn't I talk? I shouldn't be here. I should be... Where? Where should I be? I tried to concentrate. How had I come here? Where was I before? Where... Where did I belong? But nothing came. Nothing. I couldn't remember how I'd gotten there. I couldn't remember where I'd been. Ever. Suddenly, it hit me in a wave of dread that made my heart skip several beats. I didn't know who I was. I did not know my own name. I tried to sit up. And that's when I saw... I screamed in a weird high-pitched shriek. My legs. They were encased in a black leotard. And I could see that the upper half of each leg was shaped like a normal human leg. But at the end, the bottom half suddenly changed shape. And from the bottom of the leotard, huge talons appeared. I looked at my hand. Five fingers. Five human fingers. But they sprouted with feathers. There were feathers sticking out of my flesh. I felt my face. Skin. Skin on my cheeks and my neck. But then, my bristling feathered fingers felt my mouth. It was a beak. A huge, tearing beak. It was a nightmare. That was it. I was having a nightmare. I had to wake up. I had to get out of this dream. I screamed again, and the unhuman sound of my own voice frightened me still more. I had to control the panic. I had to. I had to. But my legs, my face, my hands. Don't panic, I ordered myself. You will not panic. You will not panic. This isn't real. And yet, I could feel the pine needles beneath me, and the warmth of the sun as it lanced through the branches. It all felt real. Was this how I always was? Was I some sort of freak? Half bird, half human? No. I knew that was wrong. And I knew that people did not become birds. And yet, here I was, with feathers and a beak and no memory of who I was. I looked like some horrible creature who was halfway through changing from bird to human. Or the other way around. Was that it? Had I been in the process of changing from one to the other? And which one was I really? Who was I? What was I? Come on, I ordered myself. Get a grip. Get a grip. But I could feel the screams boiling up inside me. I could scream and scream and scream. No. No. Start that and you may never stop, I thought. Use your head. Think. I strained to remember, but it was as if half my brain were wrapped in a dense fog. I couldn't see through it, no matter how I tried. You're a human, I told myself silently. You're a human, not a bird. And if you could change this far, maybe you can change more. I closed my eyes. I wanted to concentrate, 
and I did not want to see my body. Terror rattled through me, shaking my bones, churning my insides. I was human. I wanted to be fully human. Human again. Then, I began to feel changes. I opened my eyes. As I watched, the talon shriveled and split and became toes. It was revolting to watch. It made me sick. But then I realized something. As soon as I lost concentration, the changes stopped. That had to be it. I must have been changing, and something had broken my concentration. I could not stay the way I was. I was a nightmare. I had to get out. I felt a shadow over the sun. I thought it was a passing cloud. I couldn't let myself be distracted. I focused down again. Human. I wanted to be human. I felt the feathers melt into my skin. I felt my beak become soft lips. The sun was very dim now. Something was blocking it. I felt a chill. I looked up. Just above the trees, a cloud of dust swirled wildly, like some flattened tornado. It swirled and concentrated. A dust cloud. But not a dust cloud, really. As I lay there, I had a terrible feeling. A feeling that this swirling, thickening cloud was watching me. Considering me. Focusing on me. But I could not allow myself to be distracted. I was still not fully human. And I wanted to be human again. Maybe... Maybe once I was human, I would remember who I was. Chapter 7. Tobias I have seen a lot of strange things since that first evening when we walked through the construction site where the Andalite prince had landed his damaged fighter. Back then, I was just a kid. A boy. A dork, I guess. It's getting hard to remember. But yeah, I guess I was a dweeb. I remember that I met Jake because he stepped in to save me from some punks who wanted to flush my head in the toilet. Well, a lot has changed since then. I've gotten so I can deal with being what I am now. I've accepted the fact that I am no longer completely human. But I'm not completely a hawk, either. Like I said, I've seen strange things. But nothing stranger than what I saw that morning, as I floated in the high thermos a mile above Darlene's house. See, I was flying cover. It's one of the ways I'm able to help my friends. Marco hadn't asked me to fly cover for his idiotic little escapade, but I figure I'd better. Besides, I'd already eaten. A small snake. An unusual delicacy for me. I had nothing else to do, really, but catch a thermal and ride it up. A thermal is an updraft of warm air. You spread your wings and it lifts you up like an elevator. Once you're up... You can just float there forever. You barely have to flap your wings. So I was up pretty high. High enough that I could see everything from the edge of the woods to the south, all the way to the center of the city a few miles away. But I stayed low enough that I could still watch Marco and Axe morph. They ran around like fools till they got a grip on their mouse brains. Then, as they gained control, they set off purposefully toward Darlene's house. Marco is an extremely smart guy. I don't know if Axe is smart for an Andalite, but he's really smart by human standards. Neither of them really understand how dangerous it is to be a mouse, walking openly across a suburban lawn in broad daylight. 
I mean, you might as well just tie raw steaks to your legs and go for a walk with a wolf pack. Hawks kill mice. Cats kill mice. And let me tell you something. Two groups of animals you don't want chasing you are hawks and cats. From the air, I observed one fat tabby cat who spotted them passing by. But I guess he was full, or just feeling too lazy, lying out in the sun. The cat let them pass undisturbed. I also spotted a cooper's hawk checking them out. He was definitely thinking about mouse for lunch. I signaled the coopers that these were my prey, and he backed off. Fortunately, I was bigger than he was, and he wasn't hungry enough to fight. I watched as Marco and Axe reached Darlene's pool party. I relaxed then. If they didn't get stepped on, they'd probably be safe. Still, watching the party made me a little sad. The people seemed to be having a good time. Kids were splashing in the pool and running around and yelling and talking. It was a whole different universe than the one I lived in. I had the other Animorphs and Axe for friends, but I didn't have any friends like myself. Hawks don't get together and have parties. Mostly, when you see another hawk, it means trouble, a fight for territory. Down below, I saw Marco chasing some girl. Good grief, I thought. Why am I not surprised? The girl ran inside the house. Marco and Axe ran after her, trailing a posse of guys, one of whom was clearly Jake. Then I began to see something bizarre. A dust storm. That's what it looked like, anyway. Like one of those little dust devils that kick up out in the desert or prairie. It swirled like a compact tornado. I was fascinated because wind is very important to me. Wind is life and death to me sometimes. The tornado was getting tighter, more solid. I strained my hawk eyes to see every detail. I spilled air from my wings and swooped lower to get a better view. And then... It wasn't a dust cloud anymore. It was a creature. A beast made of gnashing mouths and whirling blades. It dived at the house, ripping it apart like it was made out of Legos. It seemed to be chewing its way through brick and wood and shingle. It was like watching a garbage disposal grind up a carrot. Kids were screaming. They were running wildly this way and that. Suddenly, half the house was gone. Just gone and I could see straight down into the basement. Straight down at Marco, human once more, and Axe in his human morph. I folded my wings back and dived like a rocket. Maybe I could distract the beast. Then, for no apparent reason, the beast began to dissolve. I pulled up sharply, still a few hundred feet up. I could see Marco practically faint from relief. Axe didn't look too happy either, but they were both alive. And Jake and Cassie? Both were staring up at the sky in horror. The dust beast dissolved into a cloud again. A human eye would not have seen anything after that. But I didn't have human eyes. I saw the dust cloud disperse. But I also saw the individual particles streaming away toward the forest. The particles were moving at incredible speed. They were not being blown by the wind. I was sure of that. They were moving all on their own very fast, toward the woods. Chapter 8 Rachel Human. Be human. I focused with all my power on that one thought. I squeezed my eyes shut and tried to remember who I was. 
what I looked like. I felt my body change. It was a horrifying sensation. I could hear bones crunching. I could feel a sudden nausea as a human stomach reappeared. I seemed to itch all over as flesh absorbed feathers. Had I done this before? It didn't seem possible. It was disgusting. Grotesque. I opened my eyes. Right above me. What was it? Mouths with needle-sharp teeth. Staring eyes. Whirling blades. It was after me. Should I fly? Should I run? What was I? I leapt up, hoping I had legs. Yes, I could run. Yes, I ran. I ran. My own bare feet flashed ahead of me. Human feet. My arms pumped, but they still felt odd. The bones were connected wrong. I ran. Over pine needles that stabbed the tender soles of my feet. It was behind me. It chewed through a tree four feet thick. Chewed it up and left splinters and sawdust behind. No! I screamed. My voice was almost human. No, no, it was after me. It wanted to kill me. Why? Why? What had I done? Who was I that this monster wanted to destroy me? I raced as fast as I could, but it was faster. Entire trees were ripped from the ground to make way for it. The very ground itself was ripped up as if by some huge plow. The shrieking of destruction was all around me. What was happening to me? Help me! I screamed, and now my voice was truly human. The last of the changes were occurring. My arms pumped smoothly now. My eyes looked past a normal human nose. The beak was gone. But the beast, the beast, it was on me. Suddenly a road, cars flashing by. I ran for the road. The beast pursued me, ripping a path through the woods. Cars zoomed past. If I ran into the road, they would hit me. If I stopped, the beast would devour me. I ran. Swoom! A car shot past, missing me by inches. Six lanes, a freeway. I ran, hoping against hope to survive. Horns, blaring horns. A truck. The beast. It hit the truck, or the truck hit it, I don't know which. The cabin of the truck was crumpled. I caught a flash of the driver yelling, frantically working the steering wheel. Then the trailer part, the part that said Ben and Jerry's, slammed into the dust beast. Screeching, screaming wheels. Then wham! I tripped and went sprawling into the median strip. I rolled down a grassy slope into dirty water. I looked up in time to see the truck turn over and skid wildly down the freeway, spraying sparks. The beast shredded the trailer. Shredded it! Pints of ice cream exploded around like hand grenades. In the middle of terror, I was pelted by pints of Cherry Garcia and Wavy Gravy ice cream. The beast rose from the truck. The driver climbed up out of the cab and ran. As the beast rose into the air, a hundred manic eyes looked around. It saw me. There was no doubt about that. It saw me. But the eyes seemed confused. They seemed lost. The beast saw me, but did not recognize me. Suddenly, as I cowered in the ditch of the median strip, the beast simply dissolved into a cloud of dust. Dissolved and blew away. Traffic had stopped on all six lanes as people hung out their windows to witness the spectacle of a trailer tractor lying across the road. I climbed shakily out of the ditch, 
I was trembling so badly I could barely stand. I was muddy and wet and barefoot, wearing a black leotard. I stumbled across the road, toward the sheltering woods. A man with a camcorder emerged from his car and began taping the wreck. From far off came the wail of a siren. I just wanted to get away. Whoever I was. Chapter 9 Cassie Tornado my butt, Marco said angrily. That thing was alive. We were watching TV in my living room. Jake, Marco, Axe and his human morph, and me, Cassie. It was afternoon. My parents weren't home yet, so we were safe, talking freely. The news was doing a special report. They had broken into a talk show to show film of what they described as a freak tornado. They were showing what was left of Darlene's house. The reporter was standing right where we'd had the pool party. You could see Darlene in the background with her parents, picking through the wreckage. The storm hit late this afternoon, just before noon, the reporter said. Some young people were having a pool party, and they described a sort of funnel cloud that appeared quite suddenly out of a clear sky. Some of the kids who were here actually described it as seeming like a monster or a beast. But of course, they were quite frightened at the time. They were frightened, all right, Marco muttered. They were wetting their pants. I know. The house was virtually destroyed, the reporter went on. Almost miraculously, there were only some minor injuries. A few of the kids suffered abrasions and minor cuts. The house itself was fully insured. That's a good thing, Marco said dryly. Because we're talking a lot more than a paint job needed here. Now, let's go out to the freeway where the same tornado, or possibly a second tornado, destroyed a tractor trailer holding up traffic for hours. The screen showed a Ben and Jerry's ice cream truck that looked like it had been blown apart by a bomb. Suddenly, I saw something familiar. Hey, look! I said. What? Jake asked. It's gone now, I said. Are we taping this? Yeah, Marco said. What is it? Back the tape up. Back it up. Marco reversed the VCR tape. I watched as the camera panned back across the wreck. Then... Right there! Right there! I said. That girl, see? She's only in the shot for a second. Can you freeze frame her? Why? Jake asked. What is it? Marco rewound, then advanced the tape a frame at a time. A blurry figure appeared. The frame froze. What is the matter? Axe asked. Matter! Tur! Axe can be odd when he's in human morph. Having a mouth and being able to make sounds just fascinates him. Look at that girl, I said. Tall, blonde hair, barefoot, wearing a black leotard. Jake's eyes widened in shocked recognition. So did Marco's. Oh my god, Marco whispered. It is! It's Rachel! It has to be! She must have just come out of a morph, I said. That's her morphing suit. And being barefoot and all? See, when we morph, we can't morph much clothing, just something skin-tight. And shoes? Forget shoes. I've tried morphing shoes. They end up looking like an entire pack of dogs play tug-of-war with them. What is Rachel doing out there? Jake demanded. She's supposed to be up in the mountains at that camp. You know what this means? Marco demanded. That thing, that thing that came after Axe and me, was also right where Rachel was. 
Coincidence? I don't think so. Jake shook his head. No, not a coincidence. He looked at Axe. Do you know what this is? No, Axe said. I do not. It is not any race I have ever heard of. But I agree. It is no coincidence. Sidence. Coincidence. Well, what is it? Marco demanded angrily. Tobias told us that it was headed toward the forest at very high speed, I said. It was heading for Rachel. The timing is right. The location is right. It attacked Marco and Axe, but then it stopped and went tearing off for Rachel. Why? What is the point? If it's some Yurk weapon, it should have finished us off. I mean, it had Axe and me cold. We need to talk to Rachel, Jake said. Cassie? I'll call. I went to the phone, the one in the kitchen. I dialed Rachel's number. I've probably dialed that number every day for years. On the third ring. Hello? Hi, Jordan. Jordan is Rachel's younger sister. Is Rachel home? Duh, Cassie. She's at the gymnastics thing, the camp. I felt a tinkle in my spine. So, so she did go? Sure. She didn't come back early or anything. Now, why? Is something the matter? Nah, nothing. I was just thinking maybe... Never mind. Later. I hung up the phone and took several deep breaths. I didn't want to alarm the others. I went back to the living room. Marco was still yelling at the guy on TV. It wasn't a tornado. Are people blind? A tornado does not have teeth. Jake saw me first. I tried to conceal the fear I felt inside. But I can't hide anything from Jake. He knows me too well. What is it? He asked. Rachel, she isn't home. They think she's at the camp. Jake, Marco, and Axe all just stared for a moment. Then Marco rewound the tape and played it back. Tall, blonde, a model's body, wearing a black leotard and no shoes. It was Rachel. And she was definitely not at camp. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. This is your host, Daniel. Alright, so just right out here in front, I want to get out exactly what my release schedule will be for the next couple of weeks, because I finally looked at the calendar and figured out exactly when I won't be around. Uh, so next week, for sure, I will have one uploaded I am leaving that Wednesday, so I'll have enough time to cobble one together and get that scheduled to release on Friday. The week after that, the following week, we'll see. Uh, depends on how ambitious I get uh, on that Wednesday, which is, of course, July 4th, uh, which I do not work on, so I'll have all day. But I'm also real lazy, so we'll find out if I get enough recorded in time. So, for the record, for sure... Next week, there will be an episode. Week after, maybe, maybe not. It'll be a fun surprise. Only other thing I have is a quick plug for my other podcast, OK Crusader, which can be found at shoutengine.com slash okcrusader, or wherever podcasts are found. It's a goofy little show I do where I get guests and we discuss uh, Marvel characters using the official Marvel Wiki and the random button on that 
to find characters and discuss how dateable they are. It's a good time. Check it out. But if you liked this show, you can find more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching audiomorphs really anywhere at this point. Um, And if you use iTunes, give me a rating and review. That'd be really cool. All right. I need to... I'm like actually cooking dinner while I record this, so I need to go check on my food right now. Uh, I have nothing else to say, so have a great week. I'll see you next week, and I may see you even the week after that. We'll find out. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Hey Mike, what are you doing? I was just thinking about this idea for a Hook sequel with way more alcoholism and PTSD. Hey, what if we made a sequel to Space Jam, where instead of Michael Jordan playing basketball, they play Quidditch and it's with Daniel Radcliffe? What about A Bug's Life 2, but it's a heist? Or a sequel to Good Burger, where Kel is an heir to an inheritance, and he has a long-lost twin who is also played by Kel Mitchell. Also, Groundhog's Day, what if- Hold on, Madison. Why don't we put these pitches for movies that never got sequels or prequels on our podcast, The Equalizers? Oh, you mean the one we release every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found? Yeah, that one. Ooh, and maybe sometimes we have some of our writer friends on as well to hear their wild ideas for sequels or prequels. Okay, but can you promise me no sequels with body horror, communist themes, or talk about John C. Riley's penis? I can't, and I won't. Great. Well, my Monday morning just got pretty fucking weird. All of ours have, Madison. All of ours have. Find the Equalizers podcast everywhere podcasts are found, as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching The Equalizers. That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.